Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, the 1939 UCLA Bruins made NCAA history by playing four African Americans on their football team, three starters. If not been for their fame and undefeated season, NFL history would not have been made in 1946. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, we're ready. I have a lot of papers today. Hear that? Yeah, a lot of papers today. All right, NFL historians and lovers of sports history, Welcome. This show is for you, not for the I already know this stuff types. You can kick rocks with no shoes. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we're here to do what? Enlighten, teach, and learn. Yes, it is the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports podcast network, bellyupsports.com. Come visit it. Click on it, read the stories, listen to the podcast, especially this one. And you can find my show as well as others on Spreaker. That's our home base, people. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of those kind of things. So, get my papers together. Sorry about that. All right, so... <clears throat> Y'all have to excuse me. I mean, I had technical difficulties yesterday, and I've been dealing with the fact that I left my hat off of my head and walked around with shorts on, with no hat on, in 30-degree weather on my job, and I'm paying for it, okay? So I'm recovering. So if my throat goes a little sideways, my voice goes a little sideways, please forgive me. So last week, I mean, we're not stopping the... Black History Month type stuff right now, all right? Because th this show had to be done. Um, and I told you last week, it's going to be March when you hear the next one. And last week, we talked about the Cleveland Browns. We talked about Paul Brown and his signing of Bill Willis and Marion Motley, who turned out to be two NFL Hall of Famers, okay? And the reintegration of pro football. You already know what happened from 19... 33 to 1946 there were no african-americans right so these two were among the first four and we'll tell you about those first two on today's show right 
well, the AAFC was a new league, yet another one of those mini leagues um, that started and faded out um, during the NFL's time, you know, early time. And look, the man's name is Ark Ward. Ark Ward, in 1944, he had an idea, okay? Ark Ward was a sports editor for the Chicago Tribune, who was a big promotional guy, right? Uh, he realized that the NFL had this monopoly and uh, on pro football, and you had like the USFL, the first version of it, I believe, you know, Red Grange, the one-year wonder of 1926, that league came and went. Um, and the Trans-American League, that was another one. The AAFC, the All-American Football Conference, was yet another one of those. It started in 1946. And it was the brainchild of one Ark Ward, who, again, he was a big promotional guy who had his hands in a lot of things other than the sports section. And he was one, in 1933, that came up with the idea of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Also, the next year, the college football All-Star Game. And this guy was pretty popular, um, and so popular, and with his ideas and everything, the NFL actually wanted him to be the next commissioner. He said no. He turned down a $250,000 salary, right? So, when the AAFC was going to, you know, was forming, of course, you're going to have people that want to buy in. They want to have their own teams. Mickey McBride was one of those guys, the taxi and real estate, you know, millionaire, the tycoon, who wanted to put a team in Cleveland. Of course, there was already a team in Cleveland, and it was the NFL's Cleveland Rams, right? He even tried buying the Rams, and the owner, Dan Reeves, said, nah, not happening, okay? Um, if you trace the Rams' history, though, and the reasons why they want to put another team in Cleveland, I mean, obviously, this is my hometown, Mickey McBride. I'm Mickey McBride, and I want to put a team here. And that's not something that was, uh, it wasn't something that wasn't common to have two teams in the same city, obviously. Um, but the Cleveland Rams history was not a good one to that point. But if you go back, another one of those leagues that started up, the Rams were a part of that. The American Football League was like the first, uh, the first wave of that before the actual AFL that lived on through the 60s and started in 1960 and all the way to 1970 when it merged with the NFL. The American Football League formed in 1935, the first season was played in 36. The Rams were there. They only lasted one year, and they moved to the NFL in 1937. Only once were they a 500 team. They were bad, and that was in 39. 1939, they were 5-5-1. Five, five but fast forward to 1945, the year before the AFC, the AAFC was to begin play. They actually won the NFL championship. They finished 10-1, their only winning season to that point. And it was, what, a 15-14 win over the Washington football team? Uh, and that was the game, if you don't remember uh, or don't know, there was a uh, the difference that turned out to be the difference in the game was a safety. And the goal post, if you're aware, used to be right on the goal line, but they moved it to the back of the end zone. And if someone was passing, which Sammy Ball was, the football hits the goal post and hits the ground, that was a safety. That rule, rule obviously has since been thrown out. Well, the 1946 Rams uh, were not to be in Cleveland. They were losing money. They were not doing well 
attendance at the gate, they were not doing well. And if you look at the Cleveland Browns, you know, they, they had a little excitement. And then the fact you hired uh, Ohio State head coach Paul Brown and you're bringing in guys like Otto Graham uh, and a lot of the Big Ten guys that were known, they knew they were putting together a good team. But here's the thing. You're losing money a month after because they played that game, I think it was December 16th, 1945. A month later, short of a month later, January 12th, 1946, after they win the championship, they move. And they were going from where they were playing League Park, where there was 23,000 seats in that stadium. And Dan Reeves had joked and said, even after they won the championship, hey, I might add 10,000 more seats. I mean, for what? Nobody's coming to the games No, uh, anyway. They're not. Uh, McBride had Municipal Stadium, which seated 78,000. And he had offered the Rams, you know, other than the Olive Branch, part of it was, hey, we can share this stadium together. How about that? Nah, you know, we're out of here. We're moving. Okay? And the owners of the NFL did not like this at all. Because why? There was no NFL teams out west. Nobody. And it was going to be, what, a 45-hour train ride. Yes, there were planes. Uh, but I think, you know, from what in my reading, talking about a lot of players taking train rides as well, nobody wanted to go 2,400 miles in that direction. But Reeves had a really, really good valid point. Again, the NFL had no teams out there. And the AAFC had started. They had two teams in San Francisco and L.A., the 49ers and the LA Dons. The Dons, if you don't know, the, L the Los Angeles Dons were named, uh, might as well say it, they were named for Don Amici. Don Amici, the actor who had, who was a part of the investment group uh, that put together and bought that team. Um, but the Dons and, and the 49ers, they were out there, so it was like, look, we need to move some competition out there. The closest teams to LA were Green Bay and Chicago. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty far, but you had a good, valid point, Dan Reeves. So when the Rams had won the NFL championship in their long winning season in team history in 1945, it was behind rookie quarterback and eventual pro football Hall of Famer Bob Waterfield, who had been drafted out of UCLA. A couple of prominent alumni would play a very significant role in NFL history with the Rams in 1946. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So if we go back to 1939, while the Cleveland Rams were having their first 500 season in L.A., Los Angeles, the 1939 UCLA Bruins had gone 6-0-4. Yes, they had four ties, and they finished the season number seven in the country. But I've been reading this great book, The Black Bruins, and uh, by James W. Johnson. Great book. I'm not even halfway done with it. But this team was put together 
way outside of what the norm. They were the first team that wasn't the HBCU to have four African-Americans on it. Three of them were starters. You have these names, you know them. You should recognize at least one of them. Jackie Robinson, yes, the baseball player. Woody Strode, yes, the Hollywood actor. Tom Bradley, yes, the 20-year the mayor of L.A., Los Angeles. And Kenny Washington, as well as Ray Bartlett. They were led by Washington, Robinson, and Strode. This team uh, was pretty decent. It was a pretty good team. Um, and if you go down the list of the of the guys who were those, those, the five that were in that school all at the same time, Bradley was more of a track guy, okay, uh, before he was the mayor of Los Angeles. Ray Bartlett and Jackie Robinson, obviously they were close. I believe they went to a junior, junior college to get together. They actually went to, I know it, Pasadena City College. And both of these men, they were great athletes. Ray Barlin and Jackie Robinson competed in four. They lettered in four sports, not just football, but also basketball, baseball, and track. Of course, that was Jackie Robinson before he was the Cooperstown Pro uh, Baseball Hall of Famer. Then there was Woody Strode, who was a track guy, but he was more of a decathlete who excelled in the shot put and the high jump. And he was a receiver for... Uh, the, the Bruin football team. Jackie Robinson was a halfback for the football team and Kenny Washington was the leader of all of them. And he also played baseball. Washington was the tailback who actually threw the football a lot more than he ran it. That 39 season, um, keep in mind these players, it was much like high school. You played both ways and you played on special teams. Uh, and, and that's what was special about that team was the fact that you had all of these black football players on the same team where most NCAA colleges outside of an HBCU, a historically black college for those who don't know, all those other schools, they had, they might have had one. And he was there to sit on the bench. They didn't let him play, which you'll see that later on in the show. So despite Washington, this 39 season, Washington actually led the nation in total offense and keep in mind the yardage then is not like the yardage now offense wasn't as open but they were still great he had 1370 yards that's combined passing and rushing five touchdowns on the ground he threw seven touchdown passes yes he was a passer and he finished and he was ahead of uh who was it the university of michigan's tom Harmon, who ended up on the first team as far as being a first-team All-American, Washington was passed up on that. Yeah, he 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 got he he got uh, passed over, even though he was clearly the best college football player in the nation, and he was the second team. Not bad, but still a slight. Why? Because of the color of his skin. It's not something to hide, and and these guys were clearly good at what they did. But because of the color of their skin, they weren't getting the top, top accolades or the recognition that they should, that they should have. Um, and as a matter of fact, it didn't stop there. He was not a participant in the East and West Shrine game. Now, keep in mind, no African-American or black player had ever been invited. But here's the crazy part. Out of 664 nominees, Washington was the only one to get a vote. 
of every player. He got one vote from every player he played against. He was the only player across the board. What does that mean? Yeah, he clearly was the best player in college football. But here's the good thing. The silver lining was that he was invited to play in the college all-star game, which was held at Soldier Field in Chicago against the Green Bay Packers, who had won the 1940 NFL championship. So after all of that, George Hallis actually kept Washington there for an extra week. Wouldn't let him go back to L.A. And he was trying to convince the other owners to allow him in. He, he would have been the first black player in in 1940. He would have been playing in the NFL in 1940. But to no avail, he was not allowed. And so he had to go on back home. Now, after their playing careers, Washington and Robinson and Brad, I mean, some of them continued on because uh, Robinson actually stayed in 40 and I believe in 41 stayed in school, um, and which was bad the next year as far as the football team. They only won one game. I mean, they lost a lot of talent and they only won one game. Um, but a lot of these guys ended up taking other jobs. Some dropped out of school, like Woody Strode, and I think Tom Bradley left before he, before graduation. Um, it, it, there was the war. They joined the LAPD. Uh, Strode actually worked at the DA's office at one point. And with all that being said, you know, their college careers were over at, at by 1941. All of them were out. So pro sports, did they have any, you know, perspective, you know, any prospects? Could they go to the NFL? No. What about the NBA? No. Jackie Robinson led uh, the conference in scoring the, all the years he was there. And I understand the baseball side. I mean, could he have gone into Major League Baseball? Of course he did uh, years later. But baseball was his worst sport because he was practicing and playing so much. I believe that had a big factor on him batting 097 uh, in his uh you know that that year he batted 097 he only had six hits one home run and one rbi in 62 games well you know i think it was he got four of those hits in one game and stole home and had uh four steals and and the home run i mean i just i mean it is what it is then you have washington being snubbed so they weren't exactly embraced by the nation on the outside but they had no as far as sports was concerned there really wasn't a whole lot of prospects there so they had to find a way to make a living they had families that were back home they had parents that were scraping money together and so not only did they have to provide for themselves they ended up trying to provide for their families and then you had strode who eventually would get married and i believe robinson as well as washington they ended up, would end up getting married eventually and you know they they had and they, some of them had kids and they had to provide well you know, there was always semi-pro ball, and they found that. And that was with the Hollywood Bears back in California. Woody Strode would join after the war and play alongside his college teammate, Kenny Washington, with the Hollywood Bears. And I believe at one point they, they had like an 8-0 record. They played that semi-pro ball for a little while. But it wasn't until 1946 when things finally started to change around. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So it's 1946, the Rams have moved across the country, they've left Cleveland, and they are in LA, and they are ready to play some ball, they have a 101,000 seat stadium or something like that, we're talking about the LA Coliseum, and it seats over 100,000 people. But the new L.A. Rams had a problem. Hmm. What was that problem? Now, here's needs to be it needs to be said. Dan Reeves, just to say it like this, he wasn't exactly caping up for blacks. Okay, you understand? Um, He would end up having to sign a black player. Tell you why. Well, one, he had a couple of reasons. Well, the first one. Is because the new league, the AAFC, they would eventually start sell, uh, signing African Americans. They were scared of that. That was something that that had to be that they paid a little bit of attention to. That somebody was going to be first, and they didn't want to necessarily miss out. And at the same time, this one, second one, is more important. I take you to the name of Haley Harding, an African American. He was a local columnist in LA and he wrote for the LA Tribune and he basically applied a lot of pressure to the Rams and on the Rams front office and he really centered his his target on the GM Chow Walsh why he had the question why are you not employing black players why don't you have any blacks on your team they're out there they're good you're just not giving them a chance. You definitely aren't touching HBCUs. Okay, so, and I have to add in these other um, other names as well. Not only Harding, but also Edward Robertson of the LA Sentinel and Herman Hill of the Pittsburgh Courier. We've mentioned that paper before. And they had they had to put some pressure on these guys because look, it's, we have some talented players that are not being used. You have no African-Americans. you telling us that none of them can play? Is that what you're telling us? Well, it wasn't just that. They also, Harding also wanted to know why the NFL hasn't expressed any kind of gratitude at all in helping to establish the league way back in 1920. Way back in 1920. And just to be honest with you, if you go all the way back to what I was talking about last week and making the the comment and talk about guys like Charles Follis. This is 1904. There were blacks that played professional football before the NFL was even established. And these guys were always big and strong and fast and smart and, and agile and all of the stuff that they wanted in the player. But because his skin was the wrong shade, they didn't get the chance or they had limited chances because, again, after a while, there was nobody playing on any professional football rosters anywhere semi-pro ball of course come on right in but not not in the nfl not in the big leagues so 
there, but there's no gratitude expressed to those players that came along before the Fritz Pollards, the Paul Robesons, the Joe Lillards. And this was the big factor. The LA Coliseum required a lease, obviously. And the Rams' discriminatory practices, that's where I'll put it, they couldn't play there. Why is that? And I'm quoting. These guys pointed out, these writers pointed out that under the Supreme Court's 1896, quote, separate but equal, end quote, ruling, the Coliseum couldn't have a segregated sports team playing in a stadium supported by public funds. What does that mean? Tell me, Mike. I'll tell you what it means. That means white dollars and black dollars are supporting this stadium. And you cannot have a team that's playing in there and not allowing us to play to. You can't have, you can't have a team that does not have any minorities on it and play in this stadium. Their hands were tied. They had no choice. And here's the thing. They didn't pick just anyone. They did sign Kenny Washington. And they did, like I said, the former UCLA star right in your backyard. March 21st, 1946, and he got the money that he asked for. From what I read, he asked for what he wanted. He got it. I mean, he got it. <laughs> he got it. And he was loved in, in L.A. He was an attraction, a known attraction. Now, let's be honest. Were they using him? Yes, they definitely were. What was their problem in Cleveland? Nobody was coming to the games. Now, in a fresh city like L.A., even though right now we can say that there's a lot of stuff to do in Los Angeles, a lot of places to go, great weather, and you don't necessarily have to show up to a sporting event. Well, times were a little bit different then. And I mean, they show up now, but not, they don't show up all the time in Los Angeles. It's just not, let's be clear. But they signed this 27-year-old rookie despite him having bad knees. Yes, he had some injuries, not just in college, but also in these semi-pro games, he was getting injured. And I believe he had as many as five knee surgeries, and he just came off of one. He had just come off of one. Um, did they sign him seven years too late? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't think anybody could really dispute that at all. Now, it also came down to him having a roommate. We talked about that with the Browns. When they signed Bill, when the Browns signed Bill Willis, they talked about having a roommate. Why? Because blacks were not welcome just everywhere. And you couldn't have a guy by himself all the time. You had to have a partner. You had to have somebody to be able to eat with and be able to room up with and travel with. I mean, it wasn't always like that, but it was like that. And so who did he who did he choose? Woody Strode. And he's like, no, we, we, we don't want, why? Well, Woody Strode talked about these guys got married, right? Woody Strode, I think it was back in college when they played the University of Hawaii. He had a Hawaiian wife. And so they had a problem with that. They didn't like interracial marriages. They had a problem with that. And it's like, okay, well, we can't sign him because of that. Just like, no, I want him. Kenny had some power. And this is and this is why I'm I'm a star uh, of in this city, and you you want me to you want me to sign, and this is what I want. Even though he was black, they they did give 
to his request. And so on May 7th, 1946, they signed Woody Strode. They still didn't like it. I mean, it strode as good a player as he was on offense, well, really on defense, because they said he was a fantastic defensive end. He was a receiver in college. 6'4", you know, 6'4". He was a big dude and was sliced. Not cut, sliced. And the thing is, when he was on that team, he was primarily a backup who rarely played. So I actually read in another spot where because Washington had uh, just come off of a surgery, he wasn't able to really play in that first game that much. Well, I'm, I'm getting another account where basically in that first game, which was an exhibition game against the Washington football team, again, he played in the first half and uh, just a few play. He played one play, excuse me, one play in the first half of that game and just a few in the second. Strode didn't play at all. But nonetheless, the door was open. And the crazy thing is, is how they found out just how famous they actually were. So, I mean, I'm not really thinking about the times. Um, and I, I guess because my mind is just so 2022 to the fact it's like, well, there's nothing that is hidden. But communication was... I'm guessing it wasn't the same. One thing that I also learned um, in all of this his, NFL history is that with blacks, they weren't as, let's just say, they weren't as highly recruited, obviously, uh, but at the same time, they weren't as aware of pro leagues as well. So, it wasn't like it was just all over the place. And just remember this too, is that professional football was all in really the Northeast. And they were in, in Cle they were in, in Ohio, in Illinois, you know, Chicago, they were in uh, New York and all up in there. That's, that's where everything started. And that's where it primarily was in Wisconsin. And down South, it wasn't much going on. I mean, you think about, the University of Alabama, which is a football hotbed um, as far as the college football scene. And the state of Texas by itself is just, it's, it's all about football. You know what I mean? And down there in the South. Yes, college football. Yeah, but not professional. Not professional football. But thinking about how the communication was, and obviously, like I said, them traveling around that they, the way that they did with professional football, they found out just how vast their reach was. Talking about Strode and Washington and the effect that even, you know, those two players with Jackie Robinson um, and Ray Bartlett had, they had African-American fans all over the place. And some white fans as well. Let's keep this in mind. Also, even with the uh, things that happened and went down with Kenny Washington not winning, you know, the awards or getting the recognition that he should have as being the top college football player in the country, there were plenty of media, white and black, that spread the word. Not just local, but there was, you know, cross-country media that spread that stuff. But when it came down to it, they didn't realize how many fans that they had. And this is the reason why that the Rams signed him in the first place. The attendance exploded. And of course, they averaged like 31,000 fans. I mean, they, they had 100,000 uh, 
fan type, you know, uh, that had a 100,000 fan stadium, they weren't feeling that because it wasn't college football. Remember, college football was king. Uh, pro baseball was king. Uh, they, they were the top two sports. People weren't coming out to watch professional football. And on top of that, you're an ex, you're a, um, you're a team that just got there. But, I mean, the attendance was mainly because, yeah, they wanted to come and see Woody Strode and especially Kenny Washington. But it, it just wasn't, it wasn't great for Strode. It's 46, he only caught four passes. He was rarely used, even on defense. His teammates knew how good that he was. But because of the, that coaching staff and and, and even the, the, the front office, they didn't like having to sign him in the first place. There probably was some teammates as well that weren't exactly enthused. Not every teammate liked you just because you played on the team. I read in the Black Bruins book how they went uh, to different schools to play away games, and there were places where obviously the blacks, you know, the black guys, they could not eat with their white teammates. And I read where they, the, the white teammates, once the guy was like, hey, you can't eat here, and they had to leave, and they left, where the white teammates would pour water on their food, and then they would leave too. Now, the, the, the hotel situation, a little bit different, you know, a little bit different. I mean, they're staying at one. Sometimes I guess they got to stay, but a lot, a lot of times they probably weren't able to stay and they had to find somewhere else to stay. Um, and that was the same in pro football. Never changed. Never changed. Um, but they knew how good Strode was. In 47, played one exhibition game, and then he was released. One, and he was released. He was already out the door. Uh, but his football career wasn't completely over. Before he went into acting, you know, in his later life, he played some more football. He played three more years, and this time, guess where he played? If you've been listening, if you listen to this show, you tell me exactly where he went to go play professional football. Yes, the CFL. He played for the Calgary Stampeders. Once again, you know, he, he did all that before he went to Hollywood and had a pretty good first season. I think they won a championship. The next year, they lost the championship. And I think in his third year, I think he cracked a rib around his heart or something like that. Well, I don't know. Ribs are ribs that high? <laughs> well, but he cracked the rib, and, and it did um, affect, you know, his play, obviously. And he's like, yeah, that's it. And keep in mind, these guys were 27 years old in 46. 28 years old <laughs> when they started playing in 1946. Uh, and this is a couple years later. And they didn't age exactly, you know, the same as they do now. They weren't the same. Let's just say uh, they didn't. Well, they didn't have the same or enjoy the same treatment. They didn't have the same medical. They didn't have the same. All of those great things that the players have today when it comes to trainers and things like that. They didn't have that back then. NFL players didn't necessarily play 15 years. You had some that did, but they didn't play very long. Um, but as far as Kenny Washington, I wish I could tell you he was a Hall of Fame player. I wish I could tell you that he just killed it while he was in the league. Now, I'll be honest with you, the little bit that he did touch the football, he did something with it for the most part. Wasn't stellar, but it wasn't bad either. Three years with the Rams at 46, he only ran for 114 yards and caught six passes and scored one touchdown. The next year was his really his best year. He had 444 yards rushing in 47. 
and he led the NFL with a 7.4 yards per carry. Just imagine. I'm sitting here with both my hands under my chin, you know, you know, like with my elbows on the table like a child. Just imagine. If he had gotten the football a lot more, how much better they would have been. You know what I mean? He led the NFL with seven, almost seven and a half yards per carry. That's great even in today's standards, right? Obviously. Seven yards a carry, that's college stuff. Video game stuff. Five touchdowns. I ain't even tell you Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was a heck of a running back. Uh, didn't touch the football much, but I mean, I mean, he touched the football plenty. But when he when he got it, I mean, the dude did some stuff with it as a not just as a runner, but as a punt returner as well, and on defense as a defensive back. All these guys, they were great on both sides of the football. But back to Washington in '48, his final year with the Rams, he only ran for 300 yards. But at halftime of his final game of that season, the city and the team actually poured out, you know, some appreciation for him. Um, yes, Dan Reeves and Child Walsh, they didn't want to sign a dude who was already old as 28 and had bad knees. Old by sports standards. Okay, 28, he's almost 30 years old and he's got bad knees. He's had multiple knee surgeries. All right, correct me if I'm wrong. But at halftime of that game, he got a new Ford uh, sedan. He got a radio and t uh, TV set combo. They gave him a $500 savings account for his son, Kenny Jr. And he got a watch from his teammates. In, in a standing ovation, they dedicated that halftime to him. I mean, it, it was great. It, 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 ended, it ended great, even though he didn't exactly... Uh, live up to what the expectations really were as a player, but it was seven years later, seven years later, and I still got a little something to say about that as we wrap the show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So I must quote uh, from James W. Johnson's book, The Black Bruins. And I quote, Strode's and Washington's mark in pro football was greater than their performance on the field. They had broken the barrier and eventually every NFL team became integrated. Of course, now, what, 60% of the rosters uh, have more blacks than whites. Or 60% of the rosters are filled with African Americans left and right <laughs> at all positions. Is it still a little skewed in certain areas? Coaching, <coughs> coaching, but I mean, it, it, it is. Um, but look at it as far as their careers. Kenny Washington, Woody Strode. It's not about how long they played or even what they did on the field numbers-wise or with championships or playoff wins and things like that. These men had to endure being used as well as being treated like trash at times and cast aside so that people could get their way. 
Washington was definitely loved in Los Angeles, but when it came to his own team, clearly his head coach, GM, nor owner really wanted him on that team. They didn't want to have to sign him. They were forced by law, really, to sign him. And they got called on it, and they had to sign somebody. It's like, well, why not sign, you know, the the, the superstar that was at UCLA, you know? <laughs> but the Rams head coach, though, Bob Snyder, he said it straight up that they wouldn't have been interested in Washington if they were still in Cleveland. That's about as transparent as you can be. As, as much truth, you know, that you can spit. During these players' college careers, both black and white, local and national newspapers and media repeatedly talked about how great Kenny Washington was, Jackie Robinson, and, and Woody Stroll were. And it was no secret, these players should have played professionally. They should have. And they would have had it not been for racism, segregation, and bigotry and the, and the like. Other players would follow of course, the AAFC, the Cleveland Browns, they signed a couple of months later. This was in March and in May when Washington and Strode were signed. And in August, three days apart, if you listen to the last show, the Cleveland Browns signed two Hall of Famers in Marion Motley and Bill Willis. Not got, and let's be honest, they were in their 20s as well. So, and I believe Willis, both of them, they were about 27. Uh, well, I don't know if he's 27. I don't know if he's that old. God, I got to remember. But they had to sit a couple years before they were brought in. So I believe they were 27. Um, but they were not injured like Kenny Washington was. They weren't just being put on the bench like <laughs> Woody Strode was. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, the NFL, two years later, they the Detroit Lions, they signed two players, two African-Americans, Bob Mann and Mel Grooms. In 1952, the New York Giants signed future Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive back Elman Tunnel. Then you had guys like Joe Perry of the San Francisco 49ers. You know, once the Niners came over from the AAFC, he was the first to gain 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons. They can play. And, of course, the orchestrator of the 1933 boycott of blacks from the league was Washington football team owner George Preston Marshall. Ironic that it was he was ultimately forced to sign his first black player in 1962. He was the last team to integrate his team. Because he's like, no. And I've told the story before, uh, even listening to what was the the the, the, um, the movie 75 Seasons. This is back in what 1995. Uh, Former Washington quarterback Sammy Ball, Hall of Fame quarterback Sammy Ball said, look, anytime uh, someone asked George Preston Marshall about integrating his team, he's had the same answer all the time, every time. He said, we'll start playing black players when the Harlem Globetrotters start playing white players. That was, that's how he felt. He didn't want nothing, nothing to do with black players. But he was forced to sign them in 1962, sign somebody in 1962, Due to the fact that the Kennedy administration told him to integrate his team or they could not play in their new stadium. They good. So he drafted Syracuse Heisman trophy-winning running back Ernie Davis, who refused to play for that racist owner. He said, I'm not playing for that SOB. And Washington instead had to trade Davis to the Browns in exchange for two African-Americans, Hall of Fame halfback Bobby Mitchell and running back... Uh, Leroy Jackson. 
It's to be noted that the last championship Washington played in was that 1945 loss to the Rams. And they would never see another title game again under Marshall as the owner. Of course, the AFL came along in 1960, which brought plenty of players from historically black colleges uh, and other colleges, regular, you know, you know the, the, the white schools as well, um, which the NFL was not doing at the time and you know, just only in spurts. You had the Bobby Bells, the Buck Buchanans, the Marlon Briscoes, the James Harrises, and even other minorities such as Tom Flores or Ricardo Caceres, Joe Cap, Manny Fernandez. You know, Cap led the Minnesota Vikings to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl IV, and they were the best team in the NFL until they met the Kansas City Chiefs and lost that game. Manny Fernandez. He was a great nose tackle for the Dolphins, for Don Shula in that no-name defense. But this would pave the way for all minorities to enter the league. And not just players. It was also officials and scouts and coaches and people in the front office. Another thing I find very interesting, uh, interesting excuse me, especially in preparing for this show, is just how many people did not know about the significance of Kenny Washington. Of course, his teammate Jackie Robinson would go on to break the Major League Baseball color barrier in 1947. Branch Rickey signed him to the minor league affiliate in 1946. And that next year, he was the first African-American to be brought into the majors. I mean, it's in the books, right? Um, but they fail to... Uh, but, they, you know, to his credit, uh, the NFL was the first major sports league to do so. The NFL was the first to do that. I watched a podcast that was done by a couple of ESPNers guys, you know. Uh, it's called The Recount. LZ Granderson, Will Leach, uh, or like, I can't remember how to say his name. I think it's uh, Leach. They also had on that podcast Bob Glauber and Keyshawn Johnson, former NFL player, played for USC, and I think he's a Los Angelino. Um, they co-wrote the book, They're For- The Forgotten First. And it's basically a book on the four guys we've been talking about. Bill Willis, Mary Miley, and of course, Kenny Washington, Woody Strode. Uh, being the first four to reintegrate the uh, the NFL, and I just bought the book a couple uh, what two days ago. Should be here, I think by tomorrow, I believe. Bought it on Amazon. But Keyshawn talked about growing up in LA. He had no idea about Kenny Washington. Robert said basically the same thing, and he was is a guy or a media guy who's been covering the league for over thirty years. And I'm finding out a lot of athletes in their forties and fifties. I ain't even going to say the guys in their 20s. They have no idea about some of this stuff. They have no clue. But there's so much that has not been talked about or uncovered in the history of the NFL, and in particular, the black history of the NFL. And see, that's part of the reason why I do this show. There are things that I've been privy to, known for years, watching movies, reading books, and just paying attention. I love history. Um, but there's plenty of things I had no idea about as well. So... What's, what's the motto to enlighten, teach, and learn? I love it all. But you know what? I had a thought while reading this book. Uh, if it had not been for UCLA in that 1939 season, I truly believe 1946 may not have ever happened. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that. Had they not gotten that, short, that chance, and then they got that chance together, and they played 
to an undefeated season and they were great players and i'm talking about jackie robinson included i don't know if he gets the shot to play major league baseball we don't know if any of that stuff happens somebody's going to be first we just don't know just don't know all right that's it references thank you to a couple of books america's game the nfl at 100 jerry rice and randy o williams my favorite also paul brown the rise fall and rise again of football's most innovative coach by andrew o'toole and also this book has been really good man it's, it's so good the black bruins by james w johnson the remarkable lives of ucla's jackie robinson woody strode tom bradley kenny washington and ray bartlett also websites websites pigskin dispatch.com the 1939 ucla bruins the gold dust trio theundefeated.com an article dated march 21st 2018 by rihanna excuse me rihanna walker the day kenny washington ended the nfl's unofficial blackout and also profootballreference.com and to close it yes this has been the behind the mic podcast presented by belly of sports Billy of Sports Podcast Network, BillyofSports.com. Of course, all of these great podcasting platforms, Spreaker, our home, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, as well as YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show or I will do what I will find your house out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.